0: Introduction to the book of John for the New Living Testament. John. From the vast stretches of eternity to the confines of time, so the Son of God entered into this world. Jesus was the creator of this world, but then he immersed himself in his creation. God became a man and willingly sacrificed himself so that all who would receive him could have forgiveness and redemption. John used a number of images to illustrate who Jesus is and how he gives us eternal life. Jesus is the unblemished Lamb of God who is sacrificed for us, the bread of life who satisfies our spiritual hunger, the living water who satisfies our spiritual thirst, the light who guides us, the good shepherd who leads us, the true vine who gives us life, and the counselor who comforts us and teaches us. Through these images, John demonstrated that Jesus can give us all we need for a new abundant life. John also uses the miracles Jesus performed to show us Jesus, power to transform lives. This gospel is filled with examples of the power of God and lives needing recovery. With God's help, we can drink the new wine of a changed life, take responsibility to walk away from the sins that paralyze us, recover from our sickness, be healed of our blindness to the truth, escape from our sinful addictions and the people who condemned us, and be raised to new life from a dead and empty existence. John collects a series of images and miracles to help us recognize who Jesus is, the Son of God. When we accept Jesus as the Lord and Savior, we can begin to experience the new life that he offers to all who believe in him. Now remember, Jesus, the creator of the world, he created the dirt, the soil, the ground. So bless it as you work in your garden. Bless the earth. To reveal Jesus as the Son of God and to show that faith in Him we can experience true love. Faith in Him we can experience forgiveness and recovery from our sins, recovery from our anger and all our bad habits. And get into the habit of reading the scripture, of praying, into the habit of Rejoicing and giving thanks to the Lord always for all things. Uh, How do we recover? The power of God. Each of the miracles recorded by John, six of which are not recorded in the other Gospels, clearly demonstrate God's power. Jesus healed a man born blind. He walked on water and then calmed a storm. He healed a nobleman's son without even being there. He raised Lazarus from the dead after the man had been dead for more than three days. John did not simply tell us about the life of Christ. He made the important point that Jesus is the embodiment of all of God's power. That power is promised to us when we come to Him in our powerlessness and turn our lives over to Him. God's power can be within us. Recovering from our bad habits is based on God's power at work within us. Jesus gave us several pictures of how we can have God's power. He describes how the branch abides in the vine and draws life and power from the vine. He told us that that He is the bread of life and that we are to eat the bread. He said that He has the water for us to drink that will quench our thirst forever. Each of these images illustrates the promise he made in the upper room. The Holy Spirit will be available to teach us, comfort us, and empower us daily. When we turn our lives over to God, the Holy Spirit comes to live within us and takes us step by step to wholeness and healing. The Dangers of Denial In Jesus' early ministry, large crowds follow him. But as Jesus confronted the people with the truth of their sins, the crowds gradually dwindled. Eventually, as people were unwilling to face the realities Jesus exposed in their lives, they rejected the only one who could help them. Times have changed, but the pattern of denial remains the same. We began with some questions about the truth and over time developed rigid resistance to it. Gradually, our hearts become hardened, and we no longer see the obvious truth, just as he confronted the crowds. Jesus also confronts us with the changes we need to make. It takes courage to open and willingly to face the truth. Admitting the truth is the first step towards recovery. The invitation to Relationship Although each of the Gospels shows us the love of Jesus, John presented us as a central theme. In the upper room, Jesus said that the mark of following Him is loving others. He prayed that we will be united in love as He and the Father are. John referred to himself in this Gospel as the disciple Jesus loved. In one of the later Letters John wrote that the greatest evidence of God's presence in our life is our love for others. Central to the recovery process to our relationship with God is our recognition of God's love for us and our willingness to value and respect others. John 1. In the beginning, the word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through Him, and nothing was created except through Him. The Word gave life to everything that was created, and His life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. God sent a man, John the Baptist, to tell about the light so that everyone might believe because of his testimony. John himself was not the light. He was simply a witness to tell about the light. The one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. So the word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the father's one and only son. John testified about him when he shouted to the crowds, This is the one I was talking about when I said, someone is coming after me who is far greater than I am. For he existed long before me. From his abundance, we all have received one gracious blessing after another. For the law was given through Moses, but God's unfailing love and faithfulness came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the unique one who is himself God is near to the Father's heart. He has revealed God to us. This was John's testimony when the Jewish leaders sent priests and temple assistants from Jerusalem to ask John, Who are you? He came right out and said, I am not the Messiah. Well then, who are you? They asked. Are you Elijah? No, he replied. Are you the prophet we are expecting? No. Then who are you? We need an answer for those who sent us. What do you have to say about yourself? John replied in the words of the prophet Isaiah. I am a voice shouting in the wilderness. Clear the way for the Lord's coming. Then the Pharisees who had been sent asked him, If you aren't the Messiah or Elijah or the prophet, what right do you have to baptize? Jesus told them, excuse me, John told them, I baptize with water, but right here in the crowd is someone you do not recognize. Though his ministry follows mine, I'm not even worthy to be his slave and untie the straps of his sandal. This encounter took place in Bethany, an area east of the Jordan River, where John was baptizing. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He is the one I was talking about when I said, A man is coming after me who is far greater than I am, for he existed long before me. I did not recognize him as the Messiah, but I have been baptizing with water so that he might be revealed revealed to Israel. Then John testified, I saw the Holy Spirit descending like a dove from heaven and resting upon him. I didn't know he was the one, but when God sent me to baptize with water, he told me, the one On whom you see the spirit descend and rest is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I saw this happen to Jesus, so I testify that he is the chosen one of God. The following day, John was again standing with two of his disciples and Jesus walked by. John looked at him and declared, Look, there is the Lamb of God. When John's two disciples heard this, they followed Jesus. Jesus looked around and saw them following. What do you want? He asked them. They replied, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come and see, he said. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon. When they went with him to the place where he was staying, and they remained with him the rest of the day. Andrew, Simon's Peter brother, was one of these men who had heard what John said and then followed Jesus. Andrew went to find his brother Simon and told him, We have found the Messiah, which means Christ. Then Andrew brought Simon to meet Jesus. Looking intently at Simon, Jesus said, Your name is Simon, son of John, but you will be called Cephas, which means Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, Come, follow me. Philip was from Bethsaida, Andrew, and Peter's hometown. Philip went to look for Nathanael and told him, We have found the very person Moses and the prophets wrote about. His name is Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. Nazareth, exclaimed Nathanael. can anything good come from Nazareth? Come and see for yourself, Philip replied. As they approached Jesus, he said, Now here is a genuine son of Israel, a man of complete integrity. Hmm. "'How do you know me?' Nathanael asked. Jesus replied, "'I could see you under the fig tree before Philip found you.' Then Nathanael exclaimed, "'Rabbi, you are the Son of God, the King of Israel.' Jesus asked him, "'Do you believe just because I told you I had seen you under the fig tree? "'You will see greater things than these.' Then he said, I tell you the truth, you will see all heaven open and the angels of God going up and down on the Son of Man, the one who is the stairway between heaven and earth. John 2. The next day, there was a wedding celebration in the village of Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples were also invited to the celebration. The wine supply ran out during the festivities, so Jesus' mother told him, They have no more wine. Dear woman, that's not our problem, Jesus replied. My time has not yet come, but his mother told the servants, Huh, do whatever he tells you. Standing nearby were six stone water jars used for Jewish ceremonial washing. Each could hold 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus told the servants, "Fill the jars with water." When the jars had been filled, he said, "Now dip some out and take it to the master of the ceremony." So the servants follow his instructions. When the master of the ceremony tasted the water that was now wine, not knowing where it had come from, though, of course, the servants knew, he called the bridegroom over. A host always serves the first wine first. Best wine, he said. Then when everyone has had a lot to drink, he brings out the less expensive wine. But you have kept the best until now. This miraculous sign at Cana in Galilee was the first time Jesus revealed his glory, and his disciples believed in him. After the wedding, he went to Capernaum for a few days with his mother, his brothers, and his disciples. It was nearly a time for the Jewish Passover celebration, so Jesus went to Jerusalem. Jerusalem. In the temple area, he saw two merchants selling cattle, sheep, and doves for sacrifices. He also saw dealers at tables exchanging foreign money. Jesus made a whip from some ropes and chased them all out of the temple. He drove out the sheep and cattle, scattered the money changers, coins over the floor, and turned over their tables, and then going over to the people who sold doves, He told them, get these things out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a marketplace. Then his disciples remember this prophecy from the scriptures. Passion for God's house will consume me. But the Jewish leaders demanded, what are you doing? If God gave you authority to do this, show us a miraculous sign to prove it. All right, Jesus replied, destroy this temple, and in three days, I will raise it up. What, they exclaimed, it has taken 46 years to build this temple, and you can rebuild it in three days? But when Jesus said this temple, he meant his own body. After he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered he had said this, and they believed both the scripture and what Jesus had said. Because of the miraculous signs that Jesus did, because of the miraculous signs Jesus did, In Jerusalem, at the Passover celebration, many began to trust in him, but Jesus didn't trust them because he knew all about people. No one needed to tell him about human nature, for he knew what was in each person's heart. There was a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish religious leader who was a Pharisee. After dark one evening, he came to speak to Jesus. Rabbi, he said. We all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. Jesus replies, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. What do you mean? exclaimed Nicodemus. How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the Spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it wants, just as you can hear the wind but can't tell where it comes from or where it is going so you can't explain how people are born of the spirit how are these things possible nicodemus asked jesus replied "Hmm. you are a respected jewish teacher and yet you don't know and understand these things i assure you we tell you what we know and have seen and yet you won't believe our testimony But if you don't believe me when I tell you about earthly things, how can you possibly believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ever gone to heaven and returned but the Son of Man has come down from heaven. And as Moses lifted up the bronze snake on a pole in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up so that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. For this is how God loved the world. He gave His one and only Son so that everyone who believes in Him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent His Son into the world not to judge the world but to save the world through Him. There is no judgment against anyone who believes in Him but anyone who does not believe in Him has already been judged For not believing in God's one and only son. And the judgment is based on this fact. God's light came into the world. But people loved the darkness. More than the light. For their actions were evil. All who do evil hate the light. And refuse to go near it. For fear their sins will be exposed. But those who do what is right. Come to the light. So others can see that they are doing what God wants. Then Jesus and his disciples left Jerusalem and went into the Judean countryside. Jesus spent more time with them there, baptizing people. At this time, John the Baptist was baptizing at uh, Aelnon near Salim because there was plenty of water there and people kept coming to him for baptism. This was before John was thrown into prison. A debate broke out between John's disciples and a certain Jew over ceremonial cleansing. So John's disciple came to him and said, Rabbi, the man you met on the other side of the Jordan River, the one you identified as the Messiah, is also baptizing people. And everybody is going to him instead of coming to us. John replied, no one can receive anything unless God gives it from heaven. You yourself know how plainly I told you. I am not the Messiah. I am only here to prepare the way for him. It is the bridegroom who marries the bride. And the bridegroom's friend is simply glad to stand with him and hear his vows. Therefore, I am filled with joy at his success. He must become greater and greater, and I must become less and less. He has come from above and is greater than anyone else. We are of the earth and we speak of earthly things, but he has come from heaven and is greater than anyone else. He testifies about what he has seen and heard, but how few believe what he tells them. Anyone who accepts his testimony can affirm that God is true, for he is set by God, he speaks God's words, for God gives him the spirit without limit. The Father loves his Son and has put everything into his hands, and anyone who believes in God's Son has eternal life. Anyone who doesn't obey the Son will never experience eternal life but Remains under God's angry judgment. Chapter 4 Jesus and the Samaritan woman. Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard Jesus is baptizing and making more disciples than John. Though Jesus himself didn't baptize them, his disciples did. So he left Judea to return to Galilee. He had to go through Samaria on the way. Eventually he came to the Samaritan village of Sychar near the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there and Jesus tired from the long walk sat wearily beside the well about noontime. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water and Jesus said to her please give me a drink he was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food the woman was surprised for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans she said to Jesus you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman why are you asking me for a drink Jesus replied, If you only knew the gift God for you and who I am, you would ask me, and I will give you living water. But sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket, she said, and this is a very deep well. Where would you get this living water? And besides, are you greater than our ancestor Jacob, who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his cattle enjoy? Jesus replied, People soon become thirsty again after drinking this water, but the water I give them takes away thirst altogether. It becomes a perpetual spring within them, giving them eternal life. Please, sir, please, the woman said, give me some of the water. Then I'll never be thirsty again, and I won't have to come here to the haul water away. Go and get your husband, Jesus told her. I don't have a husband, the woman replied. Jesus said, you're right. You don't have a husband, for you have had five husbands, and you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. Sir, sir, the woman said. You must be a prophet. So tell me, why is it that your Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place for worship, while we Samaritans claim it is here at Mount Gerizim, where our ancestors worship? Jesus replied, "Believe me, the time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father here or in Jerusalem." You Samaritans know so little about the one you worship, while we Jews know all about him. For salvation comes through the Jews. But the time is coming and is already here when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for anyone who will worship him that way. For God is spirit, so those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know the Messiah will come, the one who is called Christ. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. Then just then, disciples arrived. They were astonished to find him talking to a woman. But none of them asked him why he was doing it or what they had been discussing. The woman left her water jar beside the well and went back to the village and told everyone, Come, come and meet a man who told me everything I ever did. Can this be the Messiah? So the people came streaming from the village to see him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging Jesus to eat. No, he said, I have food you don't know about. Who brought it to him? The disciples asked each other. Then Jesus explained, My nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. Do you think the work of harvesting will not begin until the summer ends four months from now? Look around you. Vast fields are ripening all around us and are ready now for the harvest. The harvesters are paid good wages and the fruit they harvest as people brought to eternal life. What joy awaits both the planter and the harvester alike. You know the saying one person plants and someone else harvests. And it's true. I sent you to harvest where you didn't plant. Others have already done the work and you will gather the harvest. Many Samaritans believe. Many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because the woman had said, He told me everything I ever did. When they came out to see him, they begged him to stay at their village, so he stayed for two days, long enough for many of them to hear his message and believe. Then they said to the woman, Now we believe because we have heard him ourselves, not just because of what you told us. He is indeed the Savior of the world at the end of the two days jesus stayed jesus went on into galilee he had previously said a prophet is honored everywhere except in his own country the galileans welcomed him for they had been in jerusalem at the passover celebration and had seen all his miraculous signs In the course of his journey through Galilee, he arrived at the town of Cana, where he had turned the water into wine. There was a government official in the city of Capernaum, whose son was very sick. When he heard that Jesus had come from Judea and was traveling to Galilee, he went over to Cana. He found Jesus and begged him to come to Capernaum with him to heal his son who was about to die. Jesus asked, Must I do miraculous signs and wonders before you people will believe in me? The official pleaded, Lord, please come now before my little boy dies. Then Jesus told him, Go back home. Your son will live. And the man believed Jesus' words and started home. While he was on his way, some of his servants met him with the news that his son was alive and well. He asked them when the boy had begun to feel better, and they replied, Yesterday afternoon at one o'clock, his fever sudden suddenly disappeared. Then the father realized it was the same time that Jesus had told him, Your son will live. And the officer and his entire household believed in Jesus. This was Jesus' second miraculous sign in Galilee after coming from Judea. Chapter 5 Jesus heals a lame man. Afterwards, Jesus returned to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish holidays. Inside the city near the cheap gate was the pool of Bethsaida with five covered porches. Crowds of sick people, blind, lame, or paralyzed, laid on the porches. One of the men lying there had been sick for 38 years. When Jesus saw him and knew how long he had been ill, he asked him, Would you like to get well? I can, sir, the sick man said, for I have no one to help me into the pool when the water stirred up. Well, I'm trying to get there. Someone else always gets in ahead of me. Jesus told him, Stand up, pick up your sleeping mat, and walk. Instantly, the man was healed. He rolled up the mat and began walking. But this miracle happened on the Sabbath day. So the Jewish leaders objected. They said to the man who was cursed, You can't work on the Sabbath. It's illegal to carry that sleeping mat. He replied, The man who healed me said to me, Pick up your sleeping mat and walk. Who said such a thing as that? They demanded. The man didn't know, for Jesus had disappeared into the crowd. But afterwards, Jesus found him in the temple and told him, Now you are well, so stop sinning or something even worse may happen to you. Then the man went to find the Jewish leaders and told them it was Jesus who had healed him. So the Jewish leaders began harassing Jesus for breaking the Sabbath rules. But Jesus replied, My father never stops working, so why should I? So the Jewish leaders tried all the more to kill him. In addition to disobeying the Sabbath rules, he had spoken of God as his father thereby making himself equal with God. Jesus replied, I assure you, the son can do nothing by himself. He does only what he sees the father doing. Whatever the father does, the son also does. For the father loves the son and tells him everything he's doing, and the son will do far greater things than healing this man. You will be astonished at what he does. He will even raise from the dead anyone he wants to, just as the Father does. And the Father leaves all judgment to his Son, so that everyone will honor the Son, just as they honor the Father. But if you refuse to honor the Son, then you are certainly not honoring the Father who sent him. I assure you, those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me have eternal life they will never be condemned for their sins but they have already passed from death into life and i assure you that the time is coming in fact it is here when the dead will hear my voice the voice of the son of god and those who listen will live the father has life in himself And he has granted his son to have life in himself. And he has given him authority to judge all mankind because he is the son of man. Don't be surprised indeed. The time is coming when all the dead in the graves will hear the voice of God's son and they will rise again. Those who have done good will rise to eternal life. And those who have continued in evil, will rise to judgment. But I do nothing without consulting the Father. I judge as I am told, and my judgment is absolutely just, because it is according to the will of God who sent me. It is not merely my own. If I were to testify on my own behalf, my testimony would not be valid. But someone else is also testifying about me, and I can assure you that everything he says about me is true. In fact, you sent messengers to listen to John the Baptist, and he preached the truth. But the best testimony about me is not from a man, though I have reminded you about John's testimony so you might be saved. John shone brightly for a while, and you benefited and rejoiced. But I have a greater witness than John, my teachings, and my miracles. They have been assigned to me by the Father, and they testify that the Father has sent me. And the Father himself has also testified about me. You have never heard his voice or seen him face to face, and you do not have his message in your heart, because you do not believe me, the one he sent to you. You search the scriptures because you believe they give you eternal life. But the scriptures point to me. Yet you refuse to come to me so that I can give you this eternal life. Your approval or disapproval means nothing to me. Because I know you don't have God's love within you. For I have come to you representing my father and you refused to welcome me. Even though you readily accept others who represent only themselves, no wonder you can't believe, for you gladly honor each other, but you don't care about the honor that comes from God alone. Yes, it is not I who will accuse you of this before the Father. Moses will accuse you. Yes, Moses, on whom you set your hopes. But if you had believed Moses, you would have believed Me, because he wrote about me. And since you don't believe what he wrote, how would you believe what I say? Chapter 7 After this, Jesus stayed in Galilee, going from village to village. He wanted to stay out of Judea, where the Jewish leaders were plotting his death. But soon it was time for the festival of shelters. And Jesus' brothers urge him to go to Judea for the celebration. Go where your followers can see your miracles. They scoff. You can't become a public figure if you hide like this. If you can do such wonderful things, prove it to the world. For even his brothers didn't believe in him. Jesus replied, Now is not the right time for me to go, but you can go anytime, and it will make no difference. The world can hate you, but it does hate me because I accuse of it of sin and evil. You go on. I am not yet ready, ready to go to this festival because my time has not yet come. So Jesus remained in Galilee. But after his brothers left for the festival, Jesus also went, though secretly, staying out of public view. The Jewish leaders tried to find him at the festival and kept asking anyone had seen him. There was a lot of discussion about him among the crowds. Some said he's a wonderful man, while others said he's nothing but a fraud deceiving the people. But no one had the courage to speak favorably about him in public, for they were afraid of getting in trouble with the Jewish leaders. Then midway through the festival, Jesus went up to the temple and began to teach. The Jewish leaders were surprised when they heard him. How does he know so much when he hasn't studied everything we studied, they asked. Jesus told them, I am not teaching my own ideas, but those of God who sent me. Anyone who wants to do the will of God will know whether my teaching is from God or is merely my own. Those who present their own ideas are looking for praise for themselves, but those who seek to honor the one who sent them are good and genuine. None of you obey the law of Moses. In fact, you are trying to kill me. The crowd replied, Your demon possessed. Who is trying to kill you? Jesus replied, I work on the Sabbath by healing a man, and you were offended. But you work on the Sabbath too when you obey Moses' law of circumcision. Actually, this tradition of circumcision is older than the law of Moses. It goes back to Abraham. For if the correct time for circumcision of your son falls on the Sabbath, you go ahead and do it so as to not to break the law of Moses. So why should I be condemned for making a man completely well on the seven? Think this through and you will see that I am right. Some of the people who lived there in Jerusalem said among themselves, Isn't this the man they are trying to kill? But here he is, speaking in public, and they say nothing to him. Can it be that our leaders know that he really is the Messiah? But how could he be? For we know where this man comes from. When the Messiah comes, he will simply appear. No one will know where he is coming from. While Jesus was teaching in the temple, he called out, Yes, you know me, and you know where I come from, but I represent one you don't know, and he is true. I know him because I have come from him, and he sent me to you. Then the leaders tried to arrest him, but no one laid a hand on him because his time had not yet come. Many among the crowds of the temple believed in him. After all, they said, would you expect the Messiah to do more miraculous signs than this man has done? When the Pharisees heard that the crowds were murmuring such things, they and the leading priests sent temple guards to arrest Jesus. But Jesus told them, I will be here a little longer, then I will return to the one who sent me. You will search for me, but not find me, and you won't be able to come where I am. The Jewish leaders were puzzled by this statement. Where is he planning to go? they asked. Maybe he's thinking of leaving the country and going to the Jews in other lands, or maybe even to the Gentiles. What does he mean when he says, You will search for me, but not find me, and you won't be able to come where I am? On the last day, the climax of the festival, Jesus stood and shouted to the crowds, If you are thirsty, come to me. If you believe in me, come and drink. For the scriptures declare that rivers of living water will flow out from within. When he said, living water, he was speaking of the Spirit who would be given to everyone believing in him. But the Spirit had not yet been given because Jesus had not yet entered into his glory. When the crowds heard him say this, some of them declared, this man surely is the prophet. Others said, he is the Messiah. Still others said, but he can't be Will the Messiah come from Galilee For the scripture clearly states that the Messiah will be born of the royal line of David in Bethlehem, the village where King David was born. So the crowds was divided in their opinion about him, and some wanted him arrested, but no one touched him. The temple guard who had been sent to arrest him returned to the leading priests and Pharisees. Why didn't you bring him in, they demanded. We have never heard anyone talk like this, the guards responded. Have you been led astray too? The the Pharisees mocked. Is there a single one of our rulers or Pharisees who believe in him? These ignorant crowds do, but what do they know about it? A curse on them anyway. Nicodemus, the leader who had met with Jesus earlier, then spoke up. Is it legal to convict a man before he is given a hearing, he asked. They replied, Are you from Galilee too? Search the scriptures and see for yourself that no prophet ever comes from Galilee. Then the meeting broke up and everybody went home. Chapter 8. Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives, but early the next morning he was back again at the temple. A crowd soon gathered, and he sat down and taught them. As he was speaking, the teachers of religious law and Pharisees brought a woman they had caught in the act of adultery. They put her in front of the crowd. Teach her, they said to Jesus. This woman was caught in the very act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her. What do you say? They were trying to trap him into saying something they could use against him, but Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger. They kept demanding an answer, so he stood up again and said, All right, stone her, but let those who have never sinned throw the first stone." Then he stooped down again and rode in the dust. When the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest, until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. Then Jesus stood up again and said to her, Where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, Neither do I. Go and sin no more. Jesus said to the people, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't be stumbling through the darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. The Pharisees replied, You are making false claims about yourself. Jesus told them, these claims are valid, even though I make them about myself, for I know where I came from and where I am going, but you don't know this about me. You judge me with your, all your human limitations, but I am not judging anyone. And if I did, my judgment will be correct in every respect, because I am not alone. I have with me the Father who sent me. Your own law says that if two people agree about something Their witness is accepted as fact. I am one witness, and my Father who sent me is the other. Where is your Father, they asked. Jesus answered, Since you don't know who I am, you don't know who my Father is. If you knew me, then you will know my Father too. Jesus made these statements while he was teaching in the section of the temple known as the treasury, but he was not Arrested because his time had not yet come. Later, Jesus said to them again, I am going away. You will search for me and die in your sin. You cannot come where I'm going. The Jewish leaders asked, Is he planning to commit suicide? What does he mean you cannot come where I'm going? Then he said to them, you are from below. I am from above. You are of this world. I am not. That is why I said that you will die in your sins. For unless you believe that I am who I say I am, you will die in your sins. Tell us who you are, they demanded. Jesus replied I am the one I have always claimed to be. I have much to say about you and much to condemn, but I won't. For I say, only what I have heard from the one who sent me, and he is true. But they still didn't understand that he was talking to them about the Father. So Jesus said, When you have lifted up the Son of Man on the cross, then you will realize that I am he, and that I do nothing on my own, but I speak what the Father taught me. And the one who sent me is with me. He has not deserted me, for I always do those things that are pleasing to him. Then many who heard him say these things believed in him. Jesus said to the people who believe in him, You are truly my disciples if you keep obeying my teachings, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. But we are descendants of Abraham, they said. We have never been slaves to anyone here on earth. What do you mean, set free? Jesus replied, I assure you that everyone who sins is a slave to sin. A slave is not a permanent member of the family, but a son is part of the family forever. So if the son sets you free, you will indeed be free. Yes, I realize that you are descendants of Abraham, and yet some of you are trying to kill me because my message does not find a place in your hearts. I am telling you what I saw when I was with my father, but you are following the advice of your father. Our father is Abraham, they declare. No, Jesus replied. For if you were children of Abraham, you would follow his good example. I told you the truth I heard from God, but you are trying to kill me. Abraham wouldn't do a thing like that. No. You are obeying your real father when you act that way. They replied, We were not born out of wedlock. Our true father is God himself. Jesus told them, If God were your father, you would love me because I have come to you from God. I am not here on my own, but he sent me. Why can't you understand what I'm saying? It is because you are unable to do so. For you are the children of your father, the devil, and you love to do evil things he does. He was a murderer from the beginning, and he always hated the truth. There is no truth in him. When he lies, it is consistent with his character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So when I tell you the truth, you just naturally don't believe me. Which of you can truthfully accuse me of sin? And since I am telling you the truth, why don't you believe me? Anyone whose father is God listens gladly to the words of God. Since you don't, it proves you aren't God's children. The people retorted, You Samaritan devil, didn't we say all along that you were possessed by a demon? No, Jesus said, I have no demon in me, for I honor my father, and you dishonor me. And though I have no wish to glorify myself, God wants to glorify me. Let him be the judge, I assure you, anyone who obeys my teaching will never die. The people said, Now we know you are possessed by a demon. Even Abraham and the prophets died. But you say that those who obey your teaching will never die? Are you greater than our father Abraham who died? Are you greater than the prophets who died? Who do you think you are? Jesus answered, If I am merely boasting about myself, it doesn't count. But it is my father who says these glorious things about me. You say he is our God, but you do not even know him. I know him. If I said otherwise, I would be a a liar as you. But it is true. I know him and obey him. Your ancestor Abraham rejoiced as he looked forward for my coming. He saw it and was glad. The people said, You aren't even 50 years old. How can you say you have seen Abraham? Jesus answered, The truth is, I existed before Abraham was born, even. At that point, they picked up stones to kill him. But Jesus hid himself from them and left the temple. Recovery Bible, chapter 9 of John. Jesus heals a man blind. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who had been blind from birth. Teacher, his disciples asked him, why was this man born blind? Was it a result of his own sins or those of his parents? It was not because of his sins or his parents' sins, Jesus answered. He was born blind so the power of God could be seen in him. All of us must quickly carry out the task assigned us by the one who sent me. Because there's a little time left before the night falls and all work comes to an end. But while I am still here in the world, I am the light of the world. Then he spit in the ground, made mud with the saliva, and smothered the mud over the man's mind. Blind man's eyes, he told him. Go and wash in the pool of Siloam. Siloam means scent. So the man went and washed and came back seen. His neighbors and others who knew him as a blind beggar asked each other, Is this the same man, that beggar? Some said he was, and others said, No, but he surely looks like him. And the beggar kept saying, I am the same man. And they asked him, Who healed you? What happened? He told him, the man they called Jesus made mud and smoothed it over my eyes. And, I won't. and he told me, go to the pool of Siloam and wash off the mud. I went and washed, and now I can see. Where is he now, they asked. I don't know, he replied. Then they took the man to the Pharisee. Now, as it happened, Jesus had healed the man on a Sabbath. The Pharisee asked the man all about it, so he told him. He smoothed the mud over my eyes, and when it, it was washed away, I could see. Some of the Pharisees said, This man, Jesus, is not from God, for he is working on the Sabbath. Others said, But how could an ordinary sinner do such miraculous signs? So there was a deep division of opinion among them. Then the Pharisees, who once again questioned the man who had been blind, and demanded, This man who opened your eyes, who do you say he is? The man replied, I think he must be a prophet. The Jewish leaders wouldn't believe he had been blind, so they called in his parents. They asked him, Is this your son? Was he born blind? If so... How can he see? His parents replied, We know this is our son and that he was born blind, but we don't know how he can see or who heal him. He is old enough to speak for himself. Ask him. They said this because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders who had announced that anyone saying Jesus was the Messiah would be expelled from the synagogue. That's why they said, he is old enough to speak, ask him. So for the second time, they called in the man who had been blind and told him, give glory to God by telling the truth, because we know Jesus is a sinner. I don't know whether he's a sinner, the man replied, but I know this. I was blind and now I can see. "'But what did he do?' they asked. "'How did he heal you?' "'Look,' the man exclaimed. "'I told you once, didn't you listen? "'Why do you want to hear it again? "'Do you want to become his disciples too?' "'Then they cursed him and said, "'You are his disciple, "'but we are disciples of Moses. "'We know God spoke to Moses, "'but as for this man,' We don't know anything about him. Why? That's very strange, the man replied. He healed my eyes, and yet you don't know anything about him. Well, God doesn't listen to sinners, but he is ready to hear those who worship him and do his will. Never since the world began has anyone been able to open the eyes of someone born blind. If this man were not from God, he couldn't do it. You were born in sin, they answered. Are you trying to teach us? And they threw him out of the synagogue. When Jesus heard what had happened, he found the man and said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? The man answered, Who is he, sir? Because I would like to. Jesus, you have seen him, Jesus said, and he is speaking to you. Yes, Lord, the man said, I believe. And he worshiped Jesus. Then Jesus told him, I have come to judge the world. I have come to give sight to the blind and to show those who think they see that they are blind. The Pharisees who were standing there heard him and asked, Are you saying we're blind? If you were blind, you wouldn't be able to be guilty, Jesus replied. But you remain guilty because you claim you can see. Recovery Bible notes, it says right here, imagine being born blind from birth, not being able to see the people we love and the world around us. Then imagine people insinuating that we are blind because of our personal sins or the sins of our parents. Jesus healed this man's blindness, but the real miracle occurred later when the man's spiritual blindness was healed. He saw through the eyes of faith that Jesus truly was the Messiah, the Savior of the world. We too must recognize that God has the power and the desire to free us from habitual sin, chemical dependencies, and character flaws. Recognizing Jesus as our deliverer is the beginning of our spiritual sight. In verses 13 to 34, the Pharisees were so blinded by their legalistic attitude that they could not see a wonderful miracle of healing taking place right in front of them. They were more concerned about the letter of the law and the threat Jesus posed to their authority than the amazing healing, they were exposed to the power of God, but chose to remain blind to the truth. Those who are teachable and humble will discover that God can heal even the most terrible affliction. Often the people we think least likely to make progress in recovery, experience healing and deliverance because they are humble enough to ask God for help. I'm Fernando Alcoholic, and I approve of this message. Yeah, right, Fernando. We need it. They, Jesus needs your approval. Well, I'm humble enough to say yes, Uncle, I was blind and now I can see. It was about my ninth month in AA that I said yes to the man Jesus. The, the guy, my buddy, I haven't seen him in years, who witnessed to me, I didn't recognize him for once. He was completely a changed person. He recognized me. It took a while for me to recognize him. And uh, he said, if you put on Jesus, you'll be able to whip the devil alcohol, the demon alcohol. I knew demons. I knew that the demon alcohol was trying to break my neck it got worse and worse and it got very close to stepping on my neck at first we were buddies drinking me and alcohol the best of buddies but at the end of the night we got into brawls and King Alcohol was trying to break my neck so I said yes what do I have to lose you know has it come to this I had lost everything I thought my life was over with when the court sent me to AA. So when he said, go ahead and put on Jesus, well, I tried everything else. I had exhausted every other, all the sex, all the work, all the money, all the drink. I had exhausted everything and lost my mind. So when he said, put on Jesus, I said, yes, yes. Was, and it worked. Here I am. 39 years later, I'm still bucking. I get up at 2.30 in the morning. Right now it's 3.50, 3.55. I've been at this about, I don't know, I think it was 2, 2.30 when I got up. Anyway, the Lord bless you, the Lord keep you, the Lord make His face to shine upon you. It's been a wonderful reading. I enjoyed it thoroughly. Thank you so much for being part of my recovery. Have a great day. God bless you. Today we're going to be on zero in on chapter 10, the good shepherd and his sheep. It says right here, the shepherd knows each of his sheep by name, and they know and respond only to his voice. In like manner, Jesus knows our personality, needs, feelings, and desires. He even knows our faults and our sins. Yet he still loves us. He calls us out and leads us in the way that is best for us. To be set free from the pain of our past, we must respond to the guiding voice of our shepherd who knows us fully and loves us completely and let's go ahead and read read uh, verses 1 through 5 it says I assure you anyone who sneaks over the wall of a sheepfold rather than going through a gate must surely be a thief and a robber for a shepherd enters through the gate the gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep hears his voice and come to him. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. After he has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them and they follow him because they recognize his voice. They won't follow a stranger. They will run from him because they don't recognize his voice. Okay, the, uh, the voice that I hear from this, what God is telling me, is the voices of the ten... <clears throat> of our recovery program the voices in our literature and the people in in the program and that's our safe haven that's our shepherd that helps us in today's world of unknowns okay let's keep going uh verses 7 through 18 it says all night, shepherds in Bible times led their flocks to lie down in a sheepfold, an area, the sheepfold. He protected the sheep from wild animals and robbers with his own body. Jesus, our gate and good shepherd, does this for us. By sacrificing his life, he has provided the means for our salvation and protection from temptation and addiction. In Christ, we can find security, and serenity, even when we fail. God is able to use our sins and failures to bring about our ultimate good if we trust him and obey his plan for our lives. That's one. Of, okay, so now let me go ahead and read um, 7 through 18. It says right here, It says, well, let's go with six. Those who heard Jesus use this illustration didn't understand what he meant. So he explained it to them again. I assure you, I am the gate for the sheep, he said. All others who come before me were thieves and robbers. But the true sheep did not listen to them. Yes, I am the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved. Wherever they go, they will find green pastures. The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give life and in all its fullness. Yay. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. A hard hand will run when he sees a wolf coming. He will leave the sheep because they aren't his and he isn't their shepherd. And so the wolf attacks him and scatters the flock. The hired hand runs away because he is merely hired and has no real concern for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep, and they know me. Just as my father knows me, and I know the father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep too. They are not in this sheepfold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice, and there will be one flock with one shepherd. The Father loves me because I lay down my life that I may have it back again. No one can take my life from me. I lay it down my life voluntarily. For I have the right to lay it down when I want and also the power to take it again. For my Father has given me this command. When he said these things, the people were again divided in their opinion about him. Some of them said, He has a demon, or he's crazy. Why listen to a man like that? Others said, this doesn't sound like a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Jesus claims to be the Son of God. It was now winter, and Jesus was in Jerusalem in the time of the Hanukkah. Okay, let's go ahead and stop there and read the next. It says for us on John 10, 27-29, says, When we entrust ourselves to Jesus, we can feel safe and secure. No one can take us away from him and his care, not even the devil. Such security is sometimes hard for us to grasp emotionally, especially if we have been a victim of abuse we have been so emotionally damaged that life can seem very unsafe. Unsure of whom we can trust and not wanting to be hurt again. We keep everyone at a distance, even God. Recovery from abuse can occur only in a safe relationship that God offers to us in which divine love and protection and expression. Okay, let's keep reading. The Bible says, It was now winter, and Jesus was in Jerusalem at the time of Hanukkah. He was at the temple walking through the section known as Solomon's colonnade. The Jewish leaders surrounded him and asked him, How long are you going to keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. Jesus replied, I have told you, and you don't believe me. The proof is what I do in the man in the name of my Father. But you don't believe me because you are not part of my flock. My sheep recognize my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. No one will snatch them away from me. For my Father has given them to me, and He is more powerful than anyone else. So no one can take them from me. The Father and I are one. Once again, the Jewish leaders picked up stones to kill him. Jesus said, At my father's direction, I have done many things to help the people. For which of those good deeds are you killing me? They replied, Not for any good work, but for blasphemy, because you, as a mere man, have made yourself God. Jesus replied, It is written in your own law that God has to said to certain leaders of the people, I say you are God's. And you know that the scriptures cannot be altered. So if those people who received God's message were called God's, why do you call it blasphemy when the Holy One who was sent into the world by the Father says, I am the Son of God. Don't believe me unless I carry out my Father's work. But if I do his work, believe in what I have done, even if you don't believe me, then you will realize that the Father is in me, and I am in the Father. Once again, they tried to arrest him, but he got away and left them. He went beyond the Jordan River to stay near the place where John was first baptizing, and many followed him. John didn't do miracles, they remarked to one another, but all His predictions about this man has come true and many believed in him there. Okay, uh, verses 30 to 38 speak of Jesus said that he and the Father are one. This was a clear claim of divinity. Jesus was God in human flesh. He was one with his Father in essence and purpose in words and in thoughts. All of Jesus' miracles Attest to the divine authority. As do the scriptures complete trust. Only divine miracle worker Jesus can affect the everyday and everlasting recovery that we need. You know what? John 10 from the Passion Translation. Jesus answered, Isn't it written in your scripture that God said you are God's? The scriptures cannot be denied or found it to be an error. So if those who have the message of the scriptures are said to be God's, then why would you accuse me of blasphemy? For I have been uniquely chosen by God, and he is the one who sent me to you. How then could it be blasphemy for me to say, I am the son of God, if I am not doing the beautiful works that my father sent me to do? Jesus said to the Pharisees, listen to this eternal truth. The person who sneaks over the walls to enter into the sheep pen, rather than coming through the gate, reveals himself as a thief coming to steal. But the true shepherd walks right up to the gate. Because the gatekeeper knows who he is, he opens the gate to let him in. And the sheep recognize the voice of the true shepherd, for he calls his own by name and he leads him out for they belong to him. And when he has brought out all his sheep, he walks ahead of them, and they will follow him, for they are familiar with his voice. But they will, will run away from a stranger and never follow them, because they know it's the voice of a stranger. Jesus told the Pharisees this parable, even though they didn't understand a word that he meant. So Jesus went over it again. I speak to you eternal truths. I am the gate for the flock. All those who broke in before me are thieves who came to steal, but the sheep never listened to them. I am the gate. To enter through me is to experience life. I am the gateway. To enter through me is to experience life, freedom, and satisfaction. A thief has only one thing in mind he wants to steal, slaughter, and destroy. But I have come to give you everything in abundance, more than you expect, life in its fullness until you overflow. I am the good shepherd who lays down my life as a sacrifice for the sheep, but the worker who serves only for wages is not a real shepherd. Because he has no heart for the sheep, he will run away and abandon them when he sees the wolf coming. And then the wolf mauls the sheep, drags them off, and scatters them. I alone am the good shepherd, and I know those whose hearts are mine, for they recognize me and know me. Just as my father knows my heart, and I know my father's heart, I am ready to give my life for the sheep, and I have other sheep that I will gather which are not of this Jewish flock. And I, their shepherd, must lead them too. And they will follow me and listen to my voice, and I will join them all in one flock with one shepherd. My father has an intense love for me because I freely give my own life. To raise it up again, I surrender my own life, and no one has the power to take my life from me. I have the authority to lay it down and the power to take it back again. This is the destiny my father has set before me. This teaching set off another heated controversy among the Jewish leaders. Many of them said, This man is a demon-possessed lunatic. Why would anyone listen to a word he says? But then there were others who weren't so sure. His teaching is full of insight. These are not the ravings of a madman. How could a demonized man give sign to a born blind? Jesus at the Feast of Renewal. The time came to observe the Winter Feast of Renewal in Jerusalem. Jesus walked into the temple under the area called Solomon's Covered Walkway when the Jewish leaders encircled him and said, How much longer will you keep us in suspense? Tell us the truth and clarify for us for once and for all. Are you really the Messiah, the Anointed One? Jesus answered him, I have told you the truth already, and you did not believe me. The proof of what of who I am is revealed by the miracles that I do in the name of my Father, yet you stubbornly refuse to follow me, because you are not of my sheep. As I told you before, my own sheep will hear my voice, and I know each one, and they will follow me. I give to them the gift of eternal life, and they will never be lost, and no one has the power to snatch them out of my hands. My Father who has given them to me as his gift is the mightiest of all, and no one has the power to snatch them from my Father's care. The Father and I are one. When they heard this, the Jewish leaders were so angered that they picked up rocks to stone him to death. But Jesus said, My Father has empowered me to work many miracles and acts of mercy among you, so which one of them do you want to stone me for? The Jewish leaders responded, We're not stoning you for anything good you did. It's because of your blasphemy. You're just a son of Adam, but you're claiming to be God. Jesus answered, Isn't it written in your scripture that God said, you are gods? The scriptures cannot be denied or found to be an error. So if those who have the message of the scripture are said to be gods, then why would you accuse me of blasphemy? For I have been uniquely chosen by God, and he is the one who has sent me to you. How then could it be blasphemy to say, I am the Son of God? If I'm not doing the beautiful works that my Father sent me to do, then don't believe me. But if you see me doing the beautiful works of God upon the earth, then you should at least believe the evidence of the miracles. Even if you don't believe my words, then you would come to experience me and be convinced that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Once again, they attempted to seize him, but he... escaped miraculously from their clutches then jesus went back to the place where john had been baptizing at the crossing of the jordan many came out to where he was and said about him even though john didn't perform any miracles everything he predicted about this man is true and many people became followers of jesus at the jordan and believed in him John 11, chapter 11, the death of Lazarus. Today we're going to be concentrating through the Recovery Bible, New Living Testament. Verses 3 to 4 will be our focus, Uh, and 37 to 44. Well, let's go ahead and read the notes, that way when we read through it, uh, we will see what our study we will we will learn the contents again. It says right here, when faced with a critical illness or a hopeless situation, we have options. We can whine and look for pity. We can complain and blame God or we can see the crisis as an opportunity to make request of God. Mary and Martha asked Jesus to help them with their sick brother. Then they gave him the glory for the amazing miracle he did, raising their brother, Lazarus, from the dead. If we can learn to humbly ask God for help, we will make progress in recovery. If he can raise someone from the dead, he is powerful enough to help us overcome our dependency and character flaws okay let's read verses 3 to 4 it says right here verse 3 I see 4 so okay so the sisters sent a message to Jesus telling him Lord the one you love is very sick but when Jesus heard about this he said Lazarus sickness will not end in death no it is for the glory of God I, the Son of God, will receive glory from this. Okay, now verses 37 to 44 says, Imagine being there when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. The man had been dead for four days, and his body had began to smell. Suddenly he responded to Jesus' voice and walked out of the grave wrapped up like a mummy. Lazarus was alive. The one who has power over the grave has power to bring new life to us. Jesus Christ has set us free from the bondage of sin and death. But our grave clothes, destructive habits, and dependencies have to to go. Have got to go. Okay, let's go to read 37 to 44. It says, But some said, This man healed a blind man. Why couldn't he keep Lazarus from dying? And again, Jesus was deeply troubled. Then they came to the grave. It was a cave with a stone rolled across its entrance, Roll the stone away, Jesus told them. But Martha, the dead man's sister said, Lord, by now the smell will be terrible because he has been dead for four days. Jesus responded didn't I tell you that you will see God's glory if you believe so they rolled the stone aside then Jesus looked up to heaven and said father thank you for hearing me you always hear me but I said it out loud for the sake of all those people standing here so they will believe you sent me then Jesus shouted Lazarus come out and Lazarus came out, bound in grave clothes, his face wrapped in a headcloth. Jesus told him, "Unwrap him and let him go." Okay. That was it. Now, I'm going to read the whole chapter in content, but before I that, I want to say something about our tongue, our tongue. You know, if we can see our tongue as grave clothes, you know, we stink, is what destructive habits. Just imagine we have a new set right spirit inside of us because we said yes to Jesus. And then we have destructive habits like saying, oh, horrible. It's horrible. You know, just calling on horrible to come in and then you wonder and then you keep saying horrible and horrible. That's having destructive, that's a destructive habit. And dependency on a spirit that's telling you to say those things. It's killing me. It's killing me. You're killing me. There's another the grave clothes destructive habit. Are you saying, I can't, I can't? And not, let's say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Saying a statement by faith. I can find those keys. I can. I am good. I am fine. You know, play a game. Catch yourself. Have some guts. You know, stop this putting on destructive, stinking grave clothes of your old past sins. Live and learn to live abundantly by saying the words of Jesus. I have come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. You can say, Jesus has come to give me more life and to live it abundantly, and I will have life. I will live and not die and proclaim the works of the Lord. I am free from my grave clothes. Sin and death has no power over me. I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. Greater is He that is in me than he that's in the world. I am a world overcomer because Jesus Christ is Lord of my life. Amen. The devil is defeated by the blood of the Lamb and the word of my testimony. Amen. Does this disturb your cart? Are you too religious to say this? And you don't realize how much grave clothing you're stacking up on top of yourself because of a habit the realm you live, all that are are is a bunch of habits. So we, we have to, But the greatest power is we have the power of choice. Put a rubber band around your wrist and every time you mess up, say, snap it on your wrist and say, I thank God that Jesus has come that I may have life and have it more abundantly. And I have, I choose that life. Affirmatively, effectively strongly you're saying the future first of all you're changing the elements around you the elements have years your situations and your problems you've been calling have ears and so does the answer and the good things and the mercy and the blessings and the and the grace the opportunities the inheritance have ears and they listen to what we're saying and we have the power of choice. And our our power of choice is not dormant that we cannot learn new habits. You know, what you say has to be in line with the prophecies of what Jesus has said about us. Prophesy, say what Jesus has said. He said, I am a world overcomer. 1 John 1.4 or 1.5 I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Philippians 4.19 Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Or you can say the devil is defeated by the blood of the Lamb and the word of my testimony. Revelations 12.11 What about Proverbs that says he who seeks the Word of God will find good. Or Proverbs 10:22 says, The blessings of the Lord, it makes me rich, and he has no sorrow with it. You know, don't say the opposite. Say, I always receive the blessings of the Lord, and I receive no sorrow. Whatever I do will prosper. And turn to gold or something in that nature. So, Psalms 1. Whatever I put my hands to do will prosper. Whatever I say will prosper. Amen. Oh, I forgot where I was at. I was supposed to read one. Okay, here goes the whole chapter. Chapter 11. A man named Lazarus was sick. He lived in Bethany with his sisters. Mary and Martha. This is the Mary who poured the expensive perfume on the Lord's feet and wiped them with her hair. Her brother Lazarus was sick. So the two sisters sent a message to Jesus telling him, Lord, the one you love is very sick. But when Jesus heard about it, he said, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. No, it is for the glory of God. I, the Son of God, will receive glory from this. Although Jesus loved Martha and Mary and Lazarus, He stayed where He was for the next two days and did not go to them. Finally, after two days, He said to His disciples, Let's go to Judea again. But His disciples objected. Teacher, they said, Only a few days ago, the Jewish leaders in Judea were trying to kill you. Are you going there again? Jesus replied, There are twelve hours of daylight every day. As long as it is light, people can walk safely. They can see because they have the light of this world. Only at night is there danger of stumbling because there is no light. Then he said, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but now I will go and wake him up. The disciples said, Lord, if he is sleeping, that means he is getting better. They thought Jesus meant Lazarus was having a good night's rest. But Jesus meant Lazarus had died. Then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I'm glad I wasn't there. Because this will give you another opportunity to believe in me. Come, let's go see him. Wow. Thomas' nickname, the twin, said to his fellow disciples, Let's go to and die with Jesus. When Jesus arrived at Bethany, he was told that Lazarus had already been in his grave for four days. Bethany was only a few miles down the road from Jerusalem, and many of the people had come to pay their respects and console Martha and Mary, on their loss. When Martha got word that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died, but even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus told her, Your brother will rise again. Yes, Martha said, when everyone else rises on Resurrection Day. Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die like everyone else, will live again. They are given eternal life for believing in me and will never perish. Do you believe this, Martha? Yes, Lord, she told him. I have always believed you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who has come into the world from God. Then she left him and returned to Mary. She called Mary aside from the mourners and told her, The teacher is here and wants to see you. So Mary immediately went to him. Now Jesus had stayed outside the village at the place where Martha met him. When the people who were at the house trying to console Mary saw her leave so hastily, they assumed she was going to Lazarus' grave to weep, so they followed her there. When Mary arrived and saw Jesus, she fell down at his feet and said, Lord, if you only had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and saw the other people wailing with her, he was moved with indignation and was deeply troubled. Where have you put him? he asked them. They told him, Lord, come and see. Then Jesus wept. The people who were standing nearby said, See how much you love him? But some said, This man healed a blind man. Why couldn't he keep Lazarus from dying? And again, Jesus was deeply troubled. Then they came to the grave. It was a cave with a stone rolled across his entrance. Roll the stone aside, Jesus told them. But Martha, the dead man's sister, said, Lord, by now the smell will be terrible because he's been dead for four days. Jesus responded, Didn't I tell you that you will see God's glory if you believe? So they rolled the stone aside. Then Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me. But I said it out loud for the sake of all those people standing here. So they will believe you sent me. Then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. And Lazarus came out, bound in grave clothes, his face wrapped in a headcloth. Jesus told him, Unwrap him and let him go. Many of the people who were with Mary believed in Jesus when they saw this happen. But some went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. Then the leading priests and Pharisees called the high council, TOGETHER TO DISCUSS THE SITUATION. WHAT ARE WE GOING TO DO? THEY ASKED EACH OTHER. THIS MAN CERTAINLY PERFORMS MANY MIRACULOUS SIGNS. IF WE LEAVE HIM ALONE, THE WHOLE NATION WILL FOLLOW HIM, AND THEN THE ROMAN ARMY WILL COME AND DESTROY BOTH OUR TEMPLE AND OUR NATION. AND ONE OF THEM, Caiaphas, WHO WAS THE HIGH PRIEST THAT YEAR, SAID, HOW CAN YOU BE SO STUPID? Why should the whole nation be destroyed? Let this one man die for the people. This prophecy that Jesus should die for the entire nation came from Caiaphas in his position as high priest. He didn't think of it himself. He was inspired to say it. It was a prediction that Jesus' death would be not for Israel only, but for the gathering together of all the children of God scattered around the world. So from that time on, the Jewish leaders began to plot Jesus' death. As a result, Jesus stopped His public ministry among the people and left Jerusalem. He went to a place near the wilderness to the village of Ephraim and stayed there with His disciples. It was now almost time for the celebration of Passover, and many people from the country arrived in Jerusalem several days early so they could go through the cleansing ceremony before the Passover began. They wanted to see Jesus and as they talked in the temple they asked each other, What do you think? Will he come to the Passover? Meanwhile, the leading priests and Pharisees had publicly announced that anyone seeing Jesus must report him immediately so they could arrest him note one of the things that stands out and I should point out that all our problems are to glorify God even though if you don't understand it even if it's a dead person there's going to be glory out of this if we put it in God's hands so we might as well say I thank you God for this fender bender I thank you God for this even people that have passed away and that you had not been able to make amends to them or don't see them thank you God for what happened I thank you for that person God bless them start blessing your parents in heaven Say, or or, just, or they're, maybe they're not in heaven I don't know just say God bless them I bless my parents God bless my dad God bless my father God bless my mother um That may Jesus get glory out of this blessing. May Jesus get glory of this problem. Everything that looks dead, thank God for it, just like Jesus did. Father, I thank you for this situation. That Jesus may get glory out of the problem. Amen and amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the reading of your word, we thank you for searing our consciousness. And given as your word we thank you Father we thank you for the containment of the children of God through these words Lord that we are one and one body and we reflect your shining star Jesus Christ amen and amen so be it Chapter 11 The Death of Lazarus. A man named Lazarus was sick. He lived in Bethany with his sisters, Mary and Martha. This is the Mary who poured the expensive perfume on the Lord's feet and wiped them with her hair. Her brother Lazarus was sick, so the two sisters sent a message to Jesus, telling him, Lord, the one you love is very sick. But when Jesus heard about it, he said, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. No, it is for the glory of God. I, the Son of God, will receive glory from this. Although Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, he stayed where he was for the next two days and did not go to them. Finally, after two days, he said to his disciples, Let's go to Judea again. But his disciples objected. Teacher, they said, only a few days ago, the Jewish leaders in Judea were trying to kill you. Are you going there again? Jesus replied, there are 12 hours of daylight every day. As long as it is light, people can walk safely. They can see because they have the light of this world. Only at night is there danger of stumbling because there is no light. Then he said, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but now I will go and wake him up. The disciples said, Lord, if he is sleeping, that means he is getting better. They thought Jesus meant Lazarus was having a good night's rest, but Jesus meant Lazarus was dead. Then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sakes, I am glad I wasn't there because this will give you another opportunity to believe in me. Come, let's go see him. Thomas, nicknamed the twin, jumped up said to his fellow disciples, Let's go too and die with Jesus. When Jesus arrived at Bethany, he was told that Lazarus had already been in his grave for four days. Bethany was only a few miles down the road from Jerusalem, and many of the people had come to pay their respects and counsel Martha and Mary on their loss. When Martha got word that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him, but Mary stayed home. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, If you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus told her, Your brother will rise again. Yes, Martha said, when everyone else rises on Resurrection Day. Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die like everyone else, will live again. They are given eternal life for believing in me and I will never perish. Do you believe this, Martha? Yes, Lord, she told him. I have always believed you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who has come into the world from God. Then she left him and returned to Mary. She called Mary aside from the mourners and told her, The teacher is here he wants to see you so mary immediately went to him now jesus has stayed outside the village at the place where martha met him when the people who were at the house trying to console mary saw her leave so hastily they assumed she was going to lazarus grave to weep so they followed her when mary arrived and saw jesus she fell down at his feet and said lord if you have been here my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and saw the other people wailing with her, he was moved with indignation an and was deeply troubled. Where have you put him? he asked. They told him, "Lord, come and see." Then Jesus wept. The people who were standing nearby said, "See how much he loved him." But some said, This man healed a blind man. Why couldn't he keep Lazarus from dying? And again Jesus was deeply troubled. Then they came to the grave. It was a cave with a stone rolled across its entrance. Roll the stone aside, Jesus told them. But Martha, the dead man's sister, said, Lord, by now the smell will be terrible because he has been dead for four days. Jesus responded, Didn't I tell you that you will see God's glory if you believe? So they rolled the stone aside. Then Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me. But I say it out loud for the sake of all those people standing here so they will believe you sent me. Then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out! And Lazarus came out bound in grave clothes, his face wrapped in a head cloud. Jesus told him, unwrap him and let him go. Many of the people who were with Mary believed in Jesus when they saw this happen, but some went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. Then the leading priests, the Pharisee, called the High Council together to discuss the situation. What are we going to do? They asked each other. This man certainly performs many miraculous signs. If we leave him alone, the whole nation will follow him, and then the Roman army will come and destroy both our temple and our nation. And one of them, Caiaphas, Who was high priest that year said, How can you be so stupid? Why should the whole nation be destroyed? Let this one man die for the people. This prophecy that Jesus should die for the entire nation came from Caiaphas in his position as high priest. He didn't think of it himself, he was inspired to say it. It was a prediction that Jesus' death will be not for Israel only but for the gathering together of all the children of God scattered around the world. So, from that time on, the Jewish leaders began to plot Jesus' death. As a result, Jesus stopped His public ministry among the people and left Jerusalem. He went to a place near the wilderness, to the village of Ephraim, and stayed there with His disciples. It was now almost time for the celebration of Passover, and many people from the country arrived in Jerusalem several days early so they could go through the cleansing ceremonial before the Passover began. They wanted to see Jesus, and as they talked in the temple, they asked each other, What do you think? Will He come for the Passover? Meanwhile, the leading priests and Pharisees had publicly announced that Anyone seeing Jesus must report him immediately so they could arrest him. In verses 3 and 4, according to the Recovery Bible, it says, when faced with a critical illness, let me go ahead and read uh, verses 11, 3 and 4. So the two sisters sent a message to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When Jesus heard this, it says, No, it is for the glory of God. The Son of God will receive glory for this. Okay. When faced with a critical illness or a hopeless situation, we have options. We can whine and look for pity. We can complain and blame God. Or we can see the crisis of an opportunity to make requests of God. Mary and Martha asked Jesus to help them with her sick brother. Then they gave Him the glory for the amazing miracle He did. Raising their brother Lazarus from the dead, if we can learn to humbly ask God for help, we will make progress in recovery. Again, if we can learn to humbly ask God for help, we can make progress in our recovery. If He can raise someone from the dead, he is powerful enough to help us overcome our dependency and character flaws. Fernando, alcoholic, addict, if I say, Father, give me the strength to do the right thing. Father, give me the strength to be joyful just with you today. I want to be joyful. You can say, Father, Father, strengthen me today with joy in my heart that I may serve you today and help others you know these are little prayers that we can say in the beginning of the day father I'm ready for duty father thank you for strengthening me to do the next right thing Um, father prosper me so I can help others that one usually works for me I always just say father I need a full tank of gas and four hours later I had a full tank of gas but I didn't have the full tank of gas in my pickup truck where I thought it would be someone in the program called me and they gave me a car and the car had a full tank of gas so maybe I got to be specific Okay, the moving on. Remember, all problems are for the glory of God to get glory on it if you give it to Him. That's why we start praising Him and thanking Him and worshiping Him ahead of time when you have a big problem. You know, you just tell Him, God, this is going to be great to see you use your... that you reign from heaven above with power, wisdom, and love, constructive action. So I just... I take a walk and I'm just going to praise you. Take a walk and praise the God for 20-30 minutes for your biggest problems you have. You'll never know until you do it. I'll never know until I do it. And if you keep forgetting, write it in your hand. Take a 3x5 card. Recite Psalm 91, Psalm 23, Psalm 103, Psalm 46, Psalm 139, 112. As you walk, You know, uh, recite these psalms. Psalm 50, Psalm 4, Psalm 5, Psalm 34, 37. Recite these psalms as you walk. Psalm 98, Psalm 148, 149, and 150. These psalms will bless your socks off. Okay, the next one is uh, 37 to 44 from the Recovery Bible. That says, 37 to 44. This, uh, this man healed a blind man, why couldn't he keep Lazarus from dying? You know, one of the things about it right here it says that Jesus wept. And for the first time, I kind of figured that Jesus had to get his composure. Because if he says he loved Martha and Lazarus and they were crying and they easily uh, with indignation, you may not agree, but I think he he gave a a loud wailing. You know that's because we all need a loud wailing to uh, let go of all our hurts, our expectation. Jesus is going to die on the cross, and he knows it very shortly. You know, it doesn't take much for something to activate the hurt of something that's coming. Or, you know, any little, even a man dying, which is not little, and raising him from the dead and feeling compassion for everyone else, and then having a good, heartfelt cry. Because why would the people say, this man healed a blind man? Why couldn't he keep Lazarus from dying? See how much he loved him. So I think it was it was the upcoming cross that Jesus was not only dying, for, he was dying because he was a human being and he was dying for his and he was crying for you know, for their hurts. I'm sure he had a lot of love for himself too. He didn't hate himself. And then he accepted his lot in life. And he got up and he says, Where's that cross? wow wow what a king what a great warrior what a master Just, I mean there's no more courageous man than this to be able to see and do and go to the cross I remember wailing when a little pastor in a little church uh, did an Easter explanation of Jesus going to the I got touched i my eyes were as red as a marvels, man, I could not stop, you know, from hurting and crying and weeping, I really felt when Jesus, you know, the hurts that he went to the cross, it was so real, and I was in the early 80s, and I'm still crying, amen. Okay, back to the recovery Bible. Imagine being there when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. The man had been dead four days and his body had begun to smell. Suddenly, he responds to Jesus' voice and walk out of the grave, wrapped up like a mummy. Lazarus was alive, alive. Lazarus was alive. The one who has power over the grave has power to bring new life to us. Jesus Christ has set us free from the bondage of sin and death but our grave clothes destructive habits and dependency have got to go yes we have have our heads wrapped up with something we can't even see even though Jesus has set us free already that's one of the reasons you have to say I thank God I am very fortunate I thank God I am good I am fine those things take, take those things off. I am forgiven. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I am the wisdom of Christ Jesus. I am the sanctification of Christ Jesus. I am the redemption of Christ Jesus. Amen, amen. The blessings of the Lord be upon you. We bless you in the name of the Lord. The blessings of the Lord be upon you. We bless you in the name of the Lord. Amen. John 12 Mary's faith in Jesus is a testimony to us all. Scripture records three times in which she knelt in humble faith at Jesus' feet. She sat at Jesus' feet listening to what he taught. Luke 10:39 she threw herself at his feet, crying and seeking comfort, John eleven thirty two. And here she knelt to clean and anoint his feet with expensive perfume. Jesus was first on her heart, and she surrendered herself to him. The decision to surrender all we are and have to God is crucial. The decision to surrender all we are and have to God is crucial. We do this. When we do this, God is able and willing to help us with problems we face. All right, all right. Okay, um, John 12. Jesus anointed Abednego. Six days before the Passover ceremonies began, Jesus arrived in Bethany, the home of Lazarus, the man he had raised from the dead. A dinner was prepared in Jesus' honor. Martha served, and Lazarus sat at the table with him. Then Mary took a 12-ounce jar of expensive perfume made from essence of nar, and she anointed Jesus' feet with it and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with fragrance. But Judah Iscariot, one of his disciples, the one who would betray him, said, That perfume worth a small fortune. It should have been sold and the money given to the poor. Not that he cared for the poor. He was a thief who was in charge of the disciples' funds, and he often took some for his own use. Jesus replied, Leave her alone. She did it in preparation for my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but I will not be here with you much longer. When all the people heard of Jesus' arrival, they flocked to see him and also to see Lazarus, the man Jesus has raised from the dead. Then the leading priests decided to kill Lazarus too, for it was because of him that many of the people had "'deserted them, and believed in Jesus.'" The next day, the news that Jesus was on the way to Jerusalem swept through the city. A huge crowd of Passover visitors took palm branches and went down the road to meet him. They shouted, "'Praise God, bless the one who comes "'in the name of the Lord. "'Hail to the King of Israel.'" Praise God, blesses the one that comes in the name of the Lord. Hail to the king of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, fulfilling the prophecy that said, Don't be afraid, people of Israel. Look, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's coat. His disciples didn't realize at the time that this was a fulfillment of prophecy. But after Jesus entered into his glory, They remember that these scriptures had come true before their eyes. Those in the crowd who had been seeing Jesus call Lazarus back to life were telling others all about it. That was the main reason so many went out to meet him because they have heard about the mighty miracle. Then the Pharisees said to each other, We are lost. Look, the whole world has gone after him. Some Greeks who had come to Jerusalem to attend the Passover paid a visit to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee. They said, Sir, we want to meet Jesus. Philip told Andrew about it, and they went together to ask Jesus. Jesus replied, The time has come for the Son of Man to enter into his glory. The truth is, a kernel of wheat must be planted in the soil. Unless it dies, it will be alone a single seed, but its death will produce many new kernels, a plentiful harvest of new lives. Those who love their lives in this world will lose it, and those who despise their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. All those who want to be my disciples must come and follow me because my servants must be where I am, and if they follow me, the Father will honor them now my soul is deeply troubled should I pray father save me from what lies ahead but that is the very reason why I came father bring glory to your name then a voice spoke from heaven seven saying I have already brought a glory and I will do it again when the crowd heard the voice some of it thought it was thunder while others declare an angel had spoken to him. Then Jesus told him, The voice was for your benefit, not mine. The time of judgment for the world has come. When the prince of this world will be cast out, and when I am lifted up on the cross, I will draw all men, everyone, to myself. He said this to indicate how he was going to die. Die, asked the crowd, We understood from Scripture that the Messiah will live forever. Why are you saying that the Son of Man will die? Who is the Son of Man you are talking about? Jesus replied, My light shall shine out for you just a little while longer. Walk in it while you can so you will not stumble when the darkness falls. If you walk in the darkness, you cannot see where you are going. Believe in the light while there is still time. Then you will become children of the light. After saying these things, Jesus went away and was hidden from them. But despite all the miracle signs he had done, most of the people did not believe in him. This is exactly what Isaiah the prophet had predicted. Lord, who had believed our message? To whom will the Lord reveal his saving power? But the people couldn't believe for, as Isaiah also said, The Lord has blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts so their eyes cannot see and their hearts cannot understand and they cannot turn to to me and let me heal them. Isaiah was referring to Jesus when he made this prediction because he was given a vision of the Messiah's glory. Many people, including some of the Jewish leaders, believed in him, but they wouldn't admit it to anyone because of their fear, that the Pharisees would expel them from the synagogue, for they love human praise more than the praise of God. Jesus shouted to the crowds, If you trust me, you are really trusting God who sent me. For when you see me, you are seeing the one who sent me. I have come as a light to shine in this dark world. So that all who put their trust in me will no longer remain in the darkness. If anyone hears me and doesn't obey me, I am not his judge. For I have come to save the world and not to judge it. But all who reject me and my message will be judged at the day of judgment. By the truth I have spoken. I don't speak on my own authority The rather who sent me gave me his own instructions as to what I should say, and I know his instructions lead to eternal life, so I say whatever the Father tells me to say. John chapter 14. (laughs) Jesus, the way to the Father. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my Father's home. If it were not so, I would have told you. I am going to prepare a place for you. When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am, and you know the way to where I am going. No, we don't know, Lord, Thomas said. We have no idea where you're going and how we're going to know the way. Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. If you had really known me, you would know who my father is. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip says, Lord, show us the father and we will be satisfied. Jesus replies, I have been with you all this time, Philip, and yet you still don't know who I am. Anyone who sees me has seen the father. So why are you asking me to show him to you? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I speak are not my own. My Father who lives in me does His work through me. Just believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe because of the work you have seen me do. I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done, and even greater works because I am going to be with the Father. You can ask for anything in my name and I will do it so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. If you love me, obey my commandments and I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive Him because it isn't looking for Him and doesn't recognize Him. But you know Him because He lives with you now and later will be in you. No, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. Soon the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Since I live, you also will live. When I am raised to life again, you will know that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. And because they love me, my Father will love them, and I will love them, and reveal myself to each of them. Judas, not Iscariot, but the other disciple with the same name, said, to him Lord why are you going to reveal yourself only to us and not to the world at large Jesus replied all who love me will do what I say my father will love them and will come and make our home with each of them anyone who doesn't love me will not obey me and remember my words are not my own what I'm telling you is from the father who sent me I am telling you these things now while I am still with you, but when the Father sends the Advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I have told you. I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart, and the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give, so don't be troubled or afraid. Remember that I told you I am going away, but will, uh, but I will come back to you again. If you really love me, you will be happy that I am going to the Father who is greater than I am. I have told you these things before they happen, so that when they do happen, you will believe me. I don't have much more time to talk to you because the ruler of this world approaches. He has no power over me. But I will do what the Father requires of me so that the world will know that I love the Father. Come, let's be going. Chapter 15 I am the true grapevine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and He prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit for apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and I will be, it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my disciples. This brings glory to my Father. I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in His love. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. This is my commandment, love each other in the same way I have loved you. There is no greater than love to lay down one's life on one's for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slave. Now you are my friends as I have told you everything the Father told me. You didn't choose me, I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. This is my command, love each other. If the world hates you, remember that it hated me first. The world will love you as one of its own if you belong to it. But you are no longer part of the world. I chose you to come out of the world so it hates you. Do you remember what I told you? A slave is not greater than the master. Since they persecuted me, naturally they will persecute you and if they had listened to me they would listen to you they will do all this to you because of me for they have rejected the one who sent me they would not be guilty if I had not come and spoken to them but now they have no excuse for their sin anyone who hates me also hates my father if I hadn't done such miraculous signs among them that no one else could do, they would be guilty. But as it is, they have seen everything I did, yet still hate me and my Father. This fulfills what is written in the Scriptures. They hated me without a cause. But I will say to you the Advocate, the Spirit of Truth, he will come to you from the Father and will testify all about me. And you must also testify about me, because you have been with me from the beginning of my ministry. Chapter 16, I have told you these things so that you won't abandon your faith. For you will be expelled from the synagogues, and the time is coming when those who kill you will think they are doing a holy service for God. This is because they have never known the Father or me. Yes, I am telling you these things now so that when they happen you will remember my warning I didn't tell you earlier because I was going to be with you for a while longer but now I am going away to the one who sent me and not one of you is asking where am I going instead you are grieved because of what I told you but in fact it is best for you that I go away because if I don't the advocate won't come if I do go away, then I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. The world's sin is that they refuse to believe in me. Righteousness is available because I go to the Father and you will see me no more. Judgment will come. The ruler of this world has been already been judged. There is so much I want to tell you, but you can't bear it now. When the Spirit comes, He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak of His own, but will tell you what He has heard. He will tell you about the future. He will bring me glory by telling you whatever He receives from me. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said, the Spirit will tell you whatever He receives from me. In a little while you won't see me anymore, but a little while after that you will see me again. Some of his disciples asked each other, What does he mean when he says in a little while you won't see me, but in a little while you'll see me, and I'm going to the Father? And what does he mean by a little while? We don't understand. Jesus realized they wanted to ask him about it, so he said, Are you asking yourself what I mean? I said in a little while you won't see me, but a little while after that you will see me again. I tell you the truth, you will weep and mourn over what is going to happen to me, but the world will rejoice. You will grieve, but your grief will suddenly turn to wonderful joy. It will be like a woman suffering the pains of labor when her child is born. Her anguish gives gives way to joy because she has brought a new baby into the world. So you have sorrow now, but I will see you again, then you will rejoice and no one can rob you of that joy. At that time you will need to ask me for anything, I tell you the truth. You will ask the Father directly and he will grant your request because you use my name. You haven't done this before, ask using my name and you will receive and you will have abundant joy. I have spoken of these matters in figures of speech, but soon I will stop speaking figuratively and will tell you plainly all about the Father. Then you will ask in my name. I am not saying I will ask the Father on your behalf, for the Father himself loves you dearly because you love me and believe that I came from God. Yes, I came from the Father into the world, and now I will leave the world and return to the Father. Then his disciples said, At last you are speaking plainly and not figuratively. Now we understand that you know everything and there's no need to question you. From this we believe that you came from God. Jesus asked, Do you finally believe? But the time is coming, indeed it's here now, when you will be scattered, each one going his own way, leaving me alone. Yet I am not alone because the Father is with me. I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. Chapter 17. After saying all these things, Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son so he can give glory back to you. For you have given him authority over everyone. He gives eternal life to each one of you have given him. And this is the way to have eternal life, to know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. I brought glory to you here on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. Now, Father, bring me into the glory we shared before the world began. I have revealed you to the ones you gave me from this world. They were always yours, you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything I have is a gift from you, for I have passed on to them the message you gave me. They accepted it and know that I came from you, and they believe you sent me. My prayer is not for the world, but for those you have given me, because they belong to you. All who are mine belong to you, and you have given them to me, so they bring me glory. Now I am departing from the world. They are staying in the world, this world, but I am coming to you, Holy Father. You have given me your name. Now protect them by the power of your name so that they will be united just as we are. During my time here, I protected them by the power of your name you gave me. I guarded them so that no, that not one was lost, except the one headed for destruction, as the Scriptures foretold. Now I am coming to you. I told them many things while I was with them in this world, so they will be filled with my joy. I have also given them your word, and the world hates them because they do not belong to the world just as I do not belong to the world. I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. They do not belong to this world any more than I do. Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. Just as, I, just as you sent me into the world, I am sending them into the world. And I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them so they can be made holy by your truth. I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. I pray that they will all be one just as you and I are one. As you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me, so they may be one as we are one. I am in them, and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity, that the world will know that you sent me, and that you love them as much as you love me. Father, I want these whom you have given me to be with me where I am. Then you can see all the glory you gave me. Because you loved me even before the world began. O righteous Father, the world doesn't know you, but I do. And these disciples know you sent me. I have revealed you to them, and I will continue to do so. Then your love for me will be in them, and I will be in them. Amen. Amen. John chapter 13. Jesus washes his disciples feet before the Passover celebration Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world and return to his father he now showed the disciples the full extent of his love it was time for supper and the devil had already enticed Judas son of Simon Iscariot to carry out his plan to betray Jesus Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything and that he had come from God and would return to God. So he got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, and poured water into the basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel he had around him. When he came to Simon Peter, Peter said to him, Lord, why are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, You don't understand now what I'm doing. Someday you will. Or why I'm doing it. No, Peter protested, You will never wash my feet. Jesus replied, But if I don't wash your feet, You won't belong to me. Simon Peter exclaimed, Then wash my hands and my head as well, Lord, not just my feet. Jesus replied, A person who has bathed all over does not need to wash except for the feet to be entirely clean. And you are clean. But that isn't true of everyone here. For Jesus knew who would betray him. That is what he meant when he said, Not all of you are clean. After washing their feet, he put on his robe again and sat down and asked, Do you understand what I was doing? Now you call me teacher and Lord, and you're right, because it is true. And since I, the Lord your teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. How true it is that a servant is not greater than the master, nor a messenger more important than the one who sends him. You know these things, now do them. That is the path of blessing. Jesus predicts his betrayal. I am not saying these things to all of you. I know so well each one of you I chose. The scripture declares the one who shares my food has turned against me. And this will soon come true. I tell you this now so that when it happens, you will believe I am the Messiah. Truly, anyone who welcomes my messenger is welcoming me. And anyone who welcomes me is welcoming the Father who sent me. Now Jesus was in great anguish of spirit and he exclaimed, The truth is one of you will betray me. The disciples looked at each other wondering what Whom he could mean. One of Jesus' disciples, the one Jesus loved, was sitting next to Jesus on the table. Simon Peter motioned to him to ask, Who would do this terrible thing? Leaning towards Jesus, he asked, Lord, who is it? Jesus said, It is the one to whom I give the bread dipped in the sauce. And when he had dipped it, he gave it to Judas, son of Simon Iscariot. As soon as Judas had eaten the bread, Satan entered into him. Then Jesus told him, hurry, do it now. None of the others in the table knew what Jesus meant. Since Judas was their treasurer, some thought Jesus was telling him to go and pay for the food or to give some money to the poor. So Judas left at once going out into the night. As soon as Judas Judas left the room. Jesus said, The time has come for me, the Son of Man, to enter into my glory. And God will receive glory because of all that happens to me. And God will bring me into my glory very soon. Dear children, How brief are these moments before I must go away and leave you? Then, though you search for me, you cannot come to me, just as I told the Jewish leaders. So now I am giving you a new commandment. Love each other, just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Simon Peter said, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus replied, you can't go with me now, but you will follow me later. Well, why can I come now, Lord? He asked. I am ready to die for you. Jesus answered, Die for me? No. Before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny me three times that you ever knew me. Verses 1 through 7 on the Recovery Bible talk about. The Son of God came not as a proud master who demanded service from others, but as a humble servant who delighted in helping others. In stooping down to do the most menial job washing his disciples' feet, Jesus showed them that true leaders serve their followers. To follow Jesus' example and serve others, we start by allowing him to serve us. As we experience his cleansing power in our lives, we can serve others. Sharing our story, listening to their confessions, feeling their pain, and standing by them in the tough times as we support others in the recovery process, we will be strengthened as we continue toward recovery. Okay, uh, another note here. Uh, Judas Iscariot, the betrayer, got his feet washed. Jesus washed his feet. Okay, verse uh, 20 it says, Truly anyone who welcomes my messenger is welcoming me, and anyone who welcomes me is welcoming me, welcoming the Father who sent me. One way God spoke to us is through his chosen messengers. We may experience God's love and healing through the body, through the godly people he sends into our lives. This may be very difficult for us if we have been a victim of abuse. We may feel that we never want to be close to other people. But as we allow godly people in our lives, we learn that they bring the healing touch of Jesus with them. As we reach out to others in Jesus' name, We, in turn, become his messenger. God will use us to bring his powerful deliverance into others' lives. And verses 34 and 35, that says, 34, So now I am giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you, You should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Our ability to love others and ourselves is based on the degree to which we have received God's love, most often through other people. When we try to love others without God's love, we try to give what we don't have. We end up giving to others in hopes of receiving something in return. This kind of selfish gift never feels good to us or to to the person we are trying to help. When we love one another out of the overflow of God's love, our witness and service can be effective towards recovery. You know, we have been given a deposit of God's love into us, say 10%. And it's our responsibility to pump that 10%, appreciate it, thank God for the 10%, and make that 10% grow. God's love, so when situations happen, we can respond with God's love, and it goes a lot easier with a big dose of reading, reading the love chapters, 1 John 1-5, through John, what we're doing now, the book of John, Psalms, you know, a big dose of reading makes for good love, and what else can I say? It makes a big difference in life. Thank you so much for listening. God bless you. Chapter 14. When we read John fourteen fifteen and 20, verses 26, 52 through 26, talks about real love. It brings security into our lives for many of us. Feeling of insecurity contributes to the power of our independency. Believing that love can bring lasting security may be hard for those of us who have been abandoned. Maybe someone we we love betrayed our trust. Perhaps someone turned away from us when we were betrayed theirs. It could be that someone who needed died, leaving us permanently. Jesus promised, no, I will not abandon you. As orphans, I will come to you, John fourteen eighteen. We may ask, how can I trust in God's love when it feels like all i ever known is love that disappoints? Here's the difference. Jesus is the only one who entered into our life through the one-way door of death. God showed how much He loved us by sending His only Son into the world so that we might have eternal life through Him. This is real love. It is not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. 1 John 4, 9-10 The psalmist wrote, For he understands how weak we are. He knows we are only dust. The wind blows and we are gone, but the love of the Lord remains forever with those who fear Him. Psalms one o three, fourteen to 18 God's love is unconditional and always waiting for us. Turning our lives over to God involves opening the door of our hearts to His love. Filling up on God's love helps us to avoid relapses, uh, Help us to to avoid circumstances, situations, grave circumstances. It meets us at our deepest need and overcomes our most powerful insecurities. Our prayer should be, Lord, I want to rejoice with you. I want to be joyful with you this day. And that, your, when your prayer is answered, that love will sustain you. It has me. The other uh, identifications here from the Recovery Bible is on John 14, 1-4. It 4, says, We receive lasting comfort by putting our trust in God, Sometimes God gives us immediate deliverance from a painful situation. More often He walks us with us, He walks with us as we struggle with problems that never seem to end. Our struggles may be direct consequences of our past mistakes. They may be the result of other people's failures. God allows us to experience such trying circumstances to build character in us and strengthen our faith. When we place our trust in Jesus, we receive his peace in this life and the promise of a home with him in eternity. In verses 5 to 11 of chapter 14, Jesus, faith in Jesus is the only way to truly know God and receive the meaningful life that God wants for each of us. Despite living with Jesus for many months, Thomas and Philip did not yet know God through his son, Jesus. Many people know about God in Jesus Christ, but they don't know God personally. Genuine faith is personal and, relation, no, and relational, and based upon the trust about God found in Scripture. Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. For anyone going through a recovery, he has the power to forgive our sins, help us overcome our addictions, and give us a new life. In John fourteen twenty seven, and that scripture fourteen twenty seven says, I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart, and the peace I give isn't like the peace the world gives. So don't be of trouble, don't be afraid. Amen. What a promise. Many of us are dealing with stress and anxiety, grief and loss. We long for peace of mind and heart. So did the early disciples. They were about to lose their best friend and their Messiah. Their souls were indeed troubled. Like many of us recovering from the loss of a job, a spouse or children, or from a chemical addiction, they were looking for something to fill the void. Yet Jesus said he was leaving them with wholeness. Fulfilling peace, shalom, unlike worldly peace, which is merely an absence of conflict. God can bring us peace even in the midst of troubles. See John 16, 33. John 16, 33. It says, 1633, here we go. I have told you all of this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. Focusing on Jesus, praising Jesus, he has overcome the world. Amen. Okay, let's go ahead and read the whole chapter now. Jesus, the way to the Father. Don't be troubled. You trust God, now trust in me. There are many rooms in my Father's home, and I'm going to prepare a place for you. If this were not so, I would tell you plainly. When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. And you know where I'm going and know how to get there. No, we don't know, Lord, Thomas said. We haven't any idea where you're going. So how could we know the way? Jesus told them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. If you had known who I am, then you will have known who my Father is. From now on, you know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the father and we will be satisfied. Jesus replied, Philip, don't you even yet know who I am? Even after all the time I have been with you, anyone who has seen me has seen the father. So why are you asking to see him? Don't you believe that I am in the father and the father is in me? The words I say are not my own, but my Father who lives in me does his work through me. Just believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe because of what you have seen me do. The truth is, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done, and even greater works, because I am going to be with the Father. You can ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. Because the work of the Son brings glory to the Father. Yes, ask me anything in my name. And I will do it. And I will do it. Jesus promises the Holy Spirit. If you love me, obey my commandments. And I will ask the Father. And he will give you another counselor. Who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world at large cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you do because he lives with you now and later will be in you. No, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you in just a little while. The the world will not see me again, but you will, for I will live again and you will too. When I am raised to life again, you will know that I am in the Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Those who obey my commandments are the ones who love me. And because they love me, my Father will love them, and I will love them, and I will reveal myself to each one of them. Judas, not Judas Iscariot, but the other disciple with the same name, said to him, Lord, Why are you going to reveal yourself only to us and not to the world at large? Jesus replied, All those who love me will do what I say. My Father will love them and we will come to them and live with them. Anyone who doesn't love me will not do what I say. And remember, my words are not my own. This message is from the Father who sent me. I am telling you these things... Now, while I am, voila, I am still with you. But when the Father sends the counselor as my representative, and by the counselor I mean the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I myself have told you. I am leaving you with a gift peace of mind and heart, and the peace I give isn't like the peace the world gives. So don't be troubled or afraid. Remember what I told you. I am going away, but I will come back to you again. If you really love me, you will be very happy for me because now I can go to the Father who is greater than I am. I have told you these things before they happen so that you will believe when they do happen. I don't have much more time to talk to you because the prince of this world approaches. He has no power over me, but I will do what the Father requires of me so that the world will know that I love the Father. Come, let's be going. John chapter 15, Jesus the true vine. Concerning step 12, sharing together from taken from the bible reading from John 15:5 through 15 having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps we try to carry this message to others and to practice these principles in all our affairs since we have worked through the 12 steps we are in special position to carry the message to others we can recognize the warning signs of addictive compulsive tendency in those around us as well as in ourselves When touching on such deep and sensitive issues, it is important to speak in the language of love, not condemnation. The Bible tells us that if someone is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back into the right path. And be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Share each other's troubles and problems, and in this way obey the law of Christ Galatians six one and two. The command was the one Jesus taught his disciples. So now I am giving you a new commandment. Love each other, just as I love I have loved you. You should love one another John thirteen thirty four. I command you to love each other in the same way that I love you, and here is how to measure it. The greatest love is shown when people lay down their lives to their friends. We are not the Savior, but we can love others as He has loved us. Love goes beyond mere words. Sometimes it is spoken in silence. When we don't condemn someone who comes to us looking for help, love doesn't just tell them what the problems are. It helps carry the weight of their burden. We can be part of a support network to help carry our friends until they are able to take steps toward recovery on their own initiative. John 15, chapter verses 1 through 8, God desires that our lives be like the fruitful branches of a grapevine. The only way to be truthful is to remain connected to Jesus, the vine, and to allow God, the gardener, to prune our life to stimulate growth and fruitfulness. It is God's cultivating, weeding, and pruning in our lives that brings forth spiritual fruit, character development, and progress in recovery. Just as the sustenance for the desired fruit comes through the vine, so fullness of life comes through faith in Jesus Christ. We need to stay close to Jesus, the source of power and practical help for recovery. In verse 15, it says, I no longer call you servants because a master doesn't confide in his servants. Now you are my friends and I have told you everything the Father told me. Since I have told you everything the Father has told me. Jesus demonstrates God's desire to be our friend, not our taskmaster. Many of us in recovery have never experienced God on such friendly, intimate terms. Rare in our experience is the authority figure who actually seeks to confide in us and befriend us rather than lording his power over us. So we find it hard to imagine God is a friend. Jesus urges to trust in him by becoming our friend. God Through Jesus empowers us and enables us to become accountable, responsible, and trustworthy. And the reading of chapter 15, Jesus, the true vine. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch that doesn't produce fruit, and He prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they will produce even more. You have already been pruned for greater fruitfulness by the message I have given you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful apart from me. Yes, I am the vine. You are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. Anyone who parts from me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into piles to be burned. But if they stay joined to me and my words remain in you, you may ask any request you like and it will be granted. My true disciples produce much fruit. This brings great glory to my father. I have loved you even as the father has loved me. Remain in my love, When you obey me, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father and remain in His love. I have told you this so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. I command you to love each other in the same way that I love you. And here is how to measure it. The greatest love is shown when people lay down their lives for their friends. You are my friends if you obey me. I no longer call you servants because a a master doesn't confide in his servants. Now you are my friends. Since I have told you everything the Father told me, you didn't choose me, I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce fruit that will last, so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for. Using my name, I command you to love each other. The World's Hatred When the world hates you, remember it hated me before it hated you. The world will love you if you belong to it, but you don't. I chose you to come out of the world, and so it hates you. Do you remember what I told you? A servant is not greater than the master. Since they persecuted me, naturally they would persecute you. And if they had listened to me, they would listen to you. The people of the world will hate you because you belong to me for they don't know God who sent me. They would not be guilty if I had not come and spoken to them, but now they have no excuse for their sin. Anyone who hates me hates my father too. If I hadn't come, if I hadn't done such miraculous signs among them that no one else could do, they would not be counted guilty. But as it is, they saw all that I did and yet hated both of us, me and my father. This has fulfilled what the scripture says. They hated me without cause. But I will send the counselor, the spirit of truth. He will come to you from the father and will tell you all about me. And you must also tell others about me because you have been with me from the beginning. Chapter 15. It's interesting that we have a command. I command you to love each other in the same way that I love you. So again, our responsibility is to raise the love of Jesus in us. And there's a lot of ways that we can do it. By praising him, thanking him, uh, trusting Jesus, I trust you. By saying the devil's a liar, Jesus is truth. To situations that want to eat your lunch. The devil's a liar, Jesus is truth. The devil's a liar, Jesus is truth enables you to loosen the enemy and see what the truth is and, and get the help of God, calling on the name of Jesus. You will be rewarded. Amen. Have an awesome time. The Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face to shine upon you. Be gracious unto you. Lift up His counts and give you peace.